the best way to overcome adversity is to stand together and be strong. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Everything But The Ball. My name is Katie McNulty, and today I'm sitting along with my co-hosts. I'm Jenna Case, and I'm Kelly Birchfield, and I'm your third co-host. And today we're joined by Alex McIntyre. Alex, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Are you kidding? Yes, we're so excited. Um, just briefly before we get into the questions, could you tell us a little bit about yourself career-wise, please? So I am 23 years old, and when I graduated high school, I, like any other high school graduate, went into college a little unsure, not really sure what I was going, what direction I wanted to go, and I was actually studying to be a teacher. Um, for lack of better words, I couldn't really fall in love with that passion, so I dropped out of school um, and started pursuing this world in sports. Um, I went to a flyers practice with a camera and never really looked back. So now I'm the team photographer for the New York Riptide in the NLL and freelancing all the way around. Yeah, that is awesome. So what age were you when you got into photography? I was 20 years old when I shot my first flyers practice. So was there anyone who inspired you to get into it? Actually, no. Um, so when I was 20, my good friend Brooke Destra and I, we started a like hockey publication called The Daily Puck, where Brooke was going to do a lot of the writing and I was going to keep up with writing, but I went to a flyers practice with my little D3400 and was just going to create some content for our team to use. And then while I was there, a photographer that was actually working was like, you're actually not bad at this. That is like really awesome to hear. I feel like that's every person's dream when it comes to their passion. It's just like getting recognized. So you said teaching wasn't really your passion. So when did you realize photography was something that you were passionate about? After that flyers practice and that photographer had reached out to me, I had gone to different practices. You, so I don't know how much you know about the flyers, hockey, our facility, but you can walk into that facility with a camera, don't need a credential, completely free, and just take photos. It's a good place for literally any starting photographer to want to go practice. The lighting is not great, so it does pose that difficulty, but that's a good place to learn. So after I did that, I was looking to get into any game possible so that I could just keep growing, keep shooting. And my first credential ever was a Phantoms game in Lehigh Valley, which is about two hours for me. And I walked in, I sat down in the press box and was like, wow, like, this is wild. Um, I shot the first period and I was just like, this is my life. Like, I don't want to do anything else. That's incredible to hear. You mentioned quickly in your intro that you are the team photographer for the Riptide of the National Cross League, and that you've also shot for some other teams, some other leagues. In your bio on Instagram, you have a bunch of highlights, including NHL, AHL, MLL, NLL, and PLL. You're obviously very experienced with a ton of different sports and leagues. Can you talk a little bit about some of the major differences that you've seen in shooting for the various professional leagues? Going to the hockey side, I grew up on hockey. That's kind of why I really wanted to pursue that. And the NHL and the AHL are both a lot more strict than anything I've dealt with in lacrosse. Um, you're very separate from the athletes. You don't typically bump into them too often. Um, you're not 
really encouraged to have any sort of interaction with them, which is totally fair. I can understand that. That's fine. No one's really there to, well, there, I'm sure there are some people, but no one is there to interact with the athletes. We're all there to kind of do our job. Um, and the AHL is a lot more strict on, or the AHL and the NHL are a lot more strict on their photo usage. Um, I'm there under Philly Sports Network. So my photos can't go anywhere but Philly Sports Network without the consent of the leagues. So if another publication wants to pay me for use of my photos, they have to pay me to cover the event. They can't pay to use my images. Where in lacrosse, um, especially with the MLL and the NLL, as long as I get approval from someone, anyone can take my images. But as the team photographer, I don't typically let any uh, publications use my images. Do you have a favorite team or sport? I guess probably the Riptide, just because that's your main gig. But do you have a favorite? No. Oh, this, is <laughs> this is so difficult. My favorite team to cover is the Philadelphia Wings. Um, they were my first full season credential. They were the first people that were just kind of like, you have free reign in the building, have fun. But the lighting is the best there. I have the best relationship with the athletes. Um, I have the best relationship with the PR team there. And I'm good friends with their team photographer. So going to a Wings event is always enjoyable every single time. And there's a family that actually sits next to me. They have season tickets and they sit next to my portal. Um, and they have a three-year-old daughter that is like, she's so crazy. I love this girl. She has a sign that says like, what does it say? She says, ref, you suck. Um, terrible call, like things like that. And I'm like, I know. So she's Philly born. Though. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> the best. And she comes up to me and she goes, you want to go get dip and dots? I'm like, I can't. Uh, so you said that the wings was the first full season credential you had was that also your first um professional game that you ever shot for the first professional game was a phantoms game actually they were a back-to-back -back. my first professional game was the phantoms game on december 14th 2018 and my first wings game was december 15th 2018 so what were your expectations you know heading into those those first games and then how did they end up going Oh gosh, I was nervous. I was, whew, it's very difficult. I feel like someone who wanted to shoot professional sports, I walked in and asked for the two fastest sports on two feet. And I was very scared about missing a moment, missing a goal, but it took a lot for me to learn that it's not necessarily about getting the shot, but it's making the best out of every moment that you can. And while you may miss that goal or that goal, it's getting the key moments of the game. That is really interesting to hear. Like I've always sort of in my mind imagined that you guys are really just like there to capture sort of like the players and these big, huge moments. And it's like really cool to hear that you're just trying to make the best out of every moment that's presented to you. So now again, going back to your role as a credentialed team photographer for the Riptide, what does that entail? Like, are you traveling with the team, going to practices, media day shoots? What are you directly involved with with them? So working for the Riptide is a little different. I feel like it's this way for the whole NLL, but I'm contracted for games. I'm not employed by the Riptide. 
but they pay for me to come to games. So I don't have to come to practices. I don't do a media day for them unless it's an additional contracted job that they want me to do. So I show up two hours before the game starts. Sometimes I do some shoots with the dancers that want like headshots and stuff like that. I get the players walking in and I try to have all my photos edited by the morning as like fast as possible. I have to give them 15 photos by halftime and I think 25 or 30 by the end of the game. Okay, so you mentioned these different or the expectations that they set for you in having to have 15 photos by halftime. Is that the only league that you've experienced that has done that or have other leagues sort of set these you know, rules for you that, hey, by halftime, we need X many photos. So the name of the game right now is speed. Everyone wants their content the fastest. So every league that you encounter will want photos by halftime. They want real-time uploading. If you catch, like say there is that big goal and you happen to get it, they want that photo now. They don't care what else happens. So almost anywhere you go, you're going to run into that. For the MLL this past season, I needed 20 photos by halftime and 40 by the end of the game. And again, going back to your start in photography, you talked about how you this was sort of a self-taught um, experience for you and just walking into the practice facility and started taking photos. Was that the same for the editing process? Had you had any experience with the software to edit photos and create content or was that something that came along? I progressed. I edited my photos on like in the iPhone like edit like in the photos app. I didn't know that there was actual editing software out there. Like I kind of figured that there was like people do this professionally (laughs) but I never looked into paying for it. Um, Then I had someone who was mentoring me that is no longer mentoring me that had taught me about Lightroom and Adobe products. And that's when I got into that. Now my new mentor kind of looks at my photos and she's like, "Eh," or she's like, this looks great. So yeah, you shot for a lot of leagues, NHL, AHL, MLL, NLL, and PLL. And you said you started in 2018, but what adversity have you faced as a woman in sports shooting male dominated leagues? Oh gosh, my favorite question. Um, I run into it a lot. On top of those leagues, I've also shot for NBA G League and the AFL, or the AFL that is no longer a thing. Um, so I run into this all over the place. I remember when I first started shooting, someone had said to me on Twitter that I got my credential from showing skin, from hanging out with the right men to get where I am. And I was like, where is where I am? Because at that point I was working for free. So I'm like, like, am I really doing that kind of work for nothing? Like, no, I was like, where I'm at is I'm a female. And does that put me behind to some people? Yes. To other people? No. So it depends on the people that you encounter. And there are older men in photography that will feel more entitled to certain positions and certain places than you There are men that will feel that they are smarter than you, men that will try to mansplain things to you. And they're just things that they're all in a day's work type of deal. So you kind of push through it. There are photographers who have tried to teach me about lighting. There are photographers who have told me about the things that I'm wearing, things that I am saying on social media, which, okay, I don't know that I've ever done anything gender specific on social media. So I'm not really sure what that's 
about, but there are definitely people who feel entitled to things. I remember one specific day, uh, the Riptide were playing the wings and there was a male photographer who came up behind me and said, while I was two minutes before the game, 6.58 PM, two minutes before the game, came up behind me and said, I shoot here. And I said, sir, like with all due respect, I shoot every game here and have never seen you before, ever. He was like, I was told to shoot from here. And I was like, who are you shooting for? He didn't really have too much of an answer. And I recognized this man from a different league, maybe two weeks prior in the NBA G League. I had just taught him how to use his camera two weeks prior. So he came up behind me, told me I needed to move when at this point, I'm not even an editorial photographer. I'm a team photographer. The team photographer always gets first pre precedence. If a team photographer asks you for your spot, you're supposed to give it up. It's just common courtesy. And I was like, okay, but I'm not moving. He was like, you need to move. And I was like, you know what? Fine. Take the spot. I will figure this out with PR. And they were like, there are no assigned spots. And I was like, I didn't think so. I've been doing this literally every game for two years. So I went back to the normal spot that I shoot in. And there was a different man sitting there. And I was like, hi, I'm a team photographer. I work for the New York Riptide and I'm here every game. Like, this is my spot. My little family was like, she's here every single game in this exact spot with her little stool. And they were like, or the guy was like, no, like I was told to shoot from here. And I was like, so I just talked to PR and like, no, you weren't. <laughs> and he was like, yes, I was. So I spent probably about 60% of this game arguing about a location to shoot from. Jeez, I'm so sorry to hear that. And you know what, that's just one of many examples that women face in this male-dominated league. So obviously there is a stigma around women in sports that sometimes we go in just because of the men, you know, definitely do that. But what do you think we as women can do to help break this stigma? We need to power together. There's power in numbers. So I feel like the more that we support each other, there's plenty of success to go around. There's plenty of money to go around. There's plenty of accomplishment to go around for all these women. And the biggest thing that bothers me is when I see women tearing down other women. I feel like the best way to overcome adversity is to stand together and be strong. 100%. I really love that advice. We need to work together because sometimes like we go after each other because it's so competitive, but we need to like stop doing that and just remember <laughs> more power to you if you power together. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a fantastic point to make. And I really like your message with that. Again, as you guys said, more power in numbers. And I think for Katie, Callie and I, that's part of the reason why we created this platform is to make sort of a positive environment for women in the industry. Now, going back to your work, obviously the three of us have looked at your images a lot and we can all say that you do a phenomenal job of storytelling through your images. So when you go out to these games, do you have a plan of what kind of shots you want to get and what specific angles, or do you really just go in and shoot as you see it? And as you said earlier, make the best of the moments you capture. It's a little bit of both. I usually try to get to a venue kind of early so I can see what is available where and what I feel that I can create from those locations. It's easier with like field lacrosse, you can go almost anywhere within a certain like distance to the field. But in box lacrosse, I have three portals to choose from and just kind of wing it. 
and hope for the best. So I definitely try to pick the best location that will give me the optimal amount of action. You're not going to get too much in a corner because a lot of the arguments, a lot of the fights, a lot of the goals are going to happen a little closer to the center, more off to the side of the goal. So you kind of, it pays to know the sport you're shooting. And I always tell people to study your subjects, study the sport you're shooting, study the athletes you're shooting, know their tendencies, and just so you're kind of a couple of steps ahead of the game. Now, when you talk about those three portals for box lacrosse, that does sound like it is a little bit restricting. Do you have any creative ways to sort of get around that in a sense and make your shots stand out more than others? It is difficult, but I shoot through glass in a lot of hockey games, the Phantoms don't have any portals. So we straight or we shoot directly through the glass. And I feel like that has given me a little bit of an upper hand at the Coliseum because I can shoot almost through anywhere because I'm not afraid of the scuff marks in the glass. I will go there early and kind of clean them out myself if I have to. And it's hard when the Islanders just play a game and then there's a riptide game directly after and I can't get on there to clean out the scuff marks. But it's just kind of the same thing, knowing your photos and stuff like that. I mean, my second Riptide game that I shot the following week, the NLL did photos of the week and they do 10 photos of the week and I had five of them. So it's like, it's just a matter of knowing what you can do with what you're given and making the absolute best of it. Yeah, I mean... That is like great advice and really the epitome of making the best of your situation. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great point. So you mentioned, you know, location and maybe a couple different techniques that you use to get the best shot that you can. Kind of looking at the relationships that you mentioned, building with athletes, maybe getting to know your subjects, whether it's the way they play, the way that the, um, you know, team kind of meshes as a whole. Do you find that any relationships that you've built with athletes, with coaches, with, you know, higher level staff, managers, owners, things like that have helped you create better photographs? Oh, absolutely. By a mile. There are players <laughs> that will come up to me while like in warmups or whatever, and they'll look at me, they'll like throw me peace signs, they'll do whatever. They smile at me all the time. If they see that I'm taking their photo, they'll be like, hi, like, <laughs> like oh my goodness. But I feel like it's not necessarily the relationship as it is knowing the player. If you kind of know a player and you know their tendencies, you know you're going to have a big celebration. Like I have a photo of Dan McRae from the New York Riptide. He's the captain. I believe it was a goal photo. He shot five hole against Georgia Swarm, I want to say. And his celebration in his face is so big, but he is a right side and I was on the left side. So he's literally facing me. So, like, I was able to capture that moment. Steph Charbonneau is another big one of the Philadelphia Wings, who's a big celebration guy. Kyle Matisse is another one. It's, like, kind of knowing a player's tendencies more than it is knowing them as people. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. And I guess, like you said, having these relationships, knowing these tendencies does create a better picture. And unfortunately, lately, it's been really hard to not only shoot sports, but also to get to know the way a player plays, the way a player likes to be shot. So I'm wondering how the pandemic kind of has affected your work, you know, not only without any sports to shoot, but without the ability to really, really invest in, you know, those 
tendencies that you that you said you like to know? Luckily, one of the publications that I work for does pay for Bleacher Report. Um, and for funsies, I just kind of go back and watch win games. I watch Riptide games and just kind of learn a little bit. Sometimes I like to see if I can see myself, but I just try to learn a little bit about the players, learn about the players that are coming to our team next season. The Riptide just had a huge off season. So I have a lot of learning to do about those players. Just kind of studying the way someone plays via like old games bleacher report luckily hasn't impacted my work at all the only thing that really has is the fact that i can't work which really makes me rusty which stinks when i come back it's not going to be easy but it is what it is prior to the mll season the last game that i shot was on march 12th so it's getting it's getting pretty tough like you said without games you're going to get rusty it's hard to find um, ways to take pictures of sports when there aren't any, but something that you did do earlier on in the pandemic was this really, really cool tailgate project where you kind of asked Philadelphia fans to send them favorite moments from tailgates, favorite pictures, and then you yourself revisited those scenes now empty, completely, um, you know, without fans, without that passion of sports. Can you talk a little bit about the inspiration for that project and how it came to be? So I made a lot of my current friends via Twitter, uh, actually, and any of them will tell you that if there's a tailgate, I am there. A hundred percent. I love a good tailgate. I always have a good time. Um, I don't shoot NFL or NBA yet, so I'm able to tailgate those games and just really relax and actually enjoy the sport again as a fan. And we were two weeks out from an NBA tailgate when quarantine happened. And I really felt the hurt of that one in my heart. I was really excited for it. I don't get a lot of time to separate myself as an employee and as a fan. So I really look forward to the bigger tailgates that I can get to, especially when all my friends get together. Like, I just love that. And I was really upset about it. And I was very frustrated by the amount of people that I didn't see doing a lot of social distancing. I didn't see anyone wearing masks before it was required. Like no one really wanted to do their part, which was unfortunate. And I was really pushing to kind of stay creative during this time. I was taking a bunch of pictures of my dog, Calvin. And I was like, all right, like my creativity is like plummeting. Like I need to do something. Uh, I always feel the most creative in the city. That's where my heart is. That's where I want to live. That's where I want to be. And I decided to take to my favorite tailgate scene and kind of recreate these memories that people had and kind of explain what we're missing out on by not doing our part. Yeah, it was a really cool project as obviously a sports fan myself and a tailgate fan myself. I think it was something that I, it was really sad to see also. <laughs> like, I am not a Philly fan, but I'm a New York fan and it's the same thing, you know, not having those tailgates outside MetLife or in the, you know, bars across from Yankee Stadium. It's really sad. Yeah. And then again, there's that, you know, strong sense of storytelling we talked about earlier, but leading into our next topic, I know you said that you were more of a self-taught photographer. So when you first started to get into sports photography, did you have any female photographers that you really looked up to or mentors that really helped you out throughout your process and getting started? Yes. So the original photographer that had reached out to me and told me that I wasn't half bad at photography was a female. Um, 
we no longer speak, we don't have a good relationship moving forward, but we remain professional towards each other and that's that. My current mentor is also female. Her name is Heather Barry and she is the greatest. She teaches me everything and she has no problem letting me know when something is not up to standard. She is phenomenal when it comes to that and she'll she'll text me randomly and be like, hey, like saw this photo on Twitter, your white balance is off. Saw this photo on Twitter, it's noisy. I saw this, looks great. Saw that, phenomenal. She's very vocal about it, whereas in the past, I didn't feel that I was receiving a lot of constructive criticism, just more negativity than anything. So Heather has been really great with that. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. I mean, I really think there's no better way to break into an industry than to have a phenomenal mentor. Yeah, she's the best. She really is. So going off that, I really like what you said about the criticism, because sometimes I think people don't like criticism and shy away from it, but sometimes that's what you need to improve. So what is one piece of advice for females who are interested in working in sports? I would say my best advice for females who want to work in sports is to stay confident and stay humble. You have to walk in and know the job that you're there to do, why you were hired to do it, but know that there are other people also there to do that same job and you have to have respect towards the other people that are also working. I'm not someone that walks around and tries to beat the women in sports drum too heavily just because I don't feel the need to draw the attention to myself. I feel like if you're there, you do your job and you do it well and you do it respectfully, a lot, nine out of 10 people will show you the same respect back. I really love that advice. So you cover male-dominated leagues. So do you have any advice for people who wanna go into those male-dominated leagues? I think the best advice is just to same thing, stay humble and stay confident. Um, I run into it a lot where people try to kind of steamroll me. I mean, I'm five foot two, I'm 23 years old. I've been a photographer for two years. There's a lot of people that want to tell me that I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know where I'm going. And I'm here because I think the players are cute. And I'm, I mean, words can't hurt you. You know what I mean? Let someone hurt you, let them punch you in the face. Like everything heals, you'll be okay. That, like the bottom line is you have to have a backbone and you have to do your thing. That is some great advice. It's a really good point too. Yeah, so the next section we're about to dive into, we call it rapid fire. So we're each going to ask you one question. And the first answer that comes to your mind is ideally the answer oh, you God. should give us. So I'll start. If you could have dinner with any athlete, dead or alive, who would it Pat be Burrell. and why? He's... Um... <laughs> I don't know if any of you guys know baseball at all, but he used to be left field for the Phillies. And he's the reason that I got in, that I became a sports fan in general. I was, when I played T-ball, when I was like seven, I was on the Phillies and I wore number five and just connected to Pat Burrell. I love that. I feel like we all have that one athlete that (laughs) really just made us fall in love with sports in general. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So you're definitely a big Philly fan in general. You like die hard. So mm-hmm. I might know where this question's going. If there was any sporting event that you could attend from any point in history, what would it be and why? Ooh, that's difficult. Um, I gotta say Super Bowl 52, but <laughs> I was very torn with Flyers Stanley Cup win because I'm more of a hockey fan than anything else. My grandpa is super into hockey. That's how I got into hockey and 
it would be oh my god I'm like shaking like if I could hand him photos that I took from the Flyers Stanley Cup win that would mean the world to me well I'm not a Flyers fan but I guess that's a cute story so I'll have a I'll root for them a little bit just for you Al <laughs> you've been shooting for two years do you have an embarrassing moment Oh, oh my God. So my very first Flyers game, literally ever, I walked in with my cameras. I had all my stuff ready to go. Super excited. Woohoo. I forgot the batteries to my cameras. What'd you do? What? Wait, Who Alex, what that? did you do? Luckily I, had, luckily, I had two really good friends that literally just bought, they bought <laughs> So they bought last minute tickets to the game. They broke into my house and found my batteries that were charging in the kitchen. They brought them to the game and they got them to me like three minutes before warm-ups. Dude. That is That's crazy. My favorite athlete, my favorite flyer ever, Danny Breer. He still works for the Flyers and he was in the building and he was like, he saw me crying and he was like, are you like good? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah I love how you didn't oh quit God. though. Your friend went and got it for you and you didn't go home. You know, you faced adversity in that moment and came through. Oh my God. I paid a $5 toll to get there. I was not going home. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, thank you so much for joining us today. It was our pleasure having you on the show. And we had a great time talking to you and hearing your experiences. Thank you for having me. It's a blast. <laughs> of course, anytime. Now, for everyone that's listening at home, that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode three of Everything But The Ball, and we really hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back every Wednesday with a different guest, so be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify and iTunes and give us five stars as well. To stay even more in the loop on all of our episodes and guests, follow us on Instagram at everythingbuttheball and on Twitter at ebtb_pod. underscore pod. Thanks again for hanging out with us today, and we'll see you in episode four.